0: Welcome to the Better Incidents Podcast, where we hear from reliability-obsessed responders who are at the forefront of the movement to better manage, remediate, and learn from incidents. I'm your host, Robert Ross. Your incident response process can help you quickly resolve incidents, but is faster resolution truly the aim of your entire incident management program? Today, I'm talking to Brian O'Hare, Senior Manager of Incident Management at Zendesk. We're gonna talk about how to center your incident management program and also how to evaluate it around decreasing customer pain. Today, I'm talking to Brian O'Hearn, Senior Manager of Incident Management at Zendesk. We're going to talk about how to center your incident management program, and also how to evaluate it around decreasing all of your customers' pain during incidents. All right, well, Brian, you know, would be great to kind of hear who you are, what you do, you're at Zendesk now. Would love to hear about your experience. Uh, and you know, how did you get into the whole managing incidents? And you know, thanks thanks for being here. I'd love to hear all okay. of that. So happy to be here. Um, so I'm Brian O'Hearn, I'm the senior manager of incident management
1: at Zendesk. Um I have a team of 13 that's that's spread across the globe in each of the three regions, APAC, EMEA, and and Amer. Um I've been there for four and a half years now. Um Moved to San Francisco about six years ago from Sacramento. I think what where I've come from in this space in the incident management space is I started my computer science career at Intel as a system engineer. So I learned a lot about putting systems together and things things along those lines. And after seven years there, I was recruited to go to um, CalISO, which is the the company that runs the energy grid for California and the, the energy market. Hmm. And I went over there as a system engineer, but about a year in, my director thought that I had a propensity for process and the the, <laughs> the CIO wanted to um, implement ITIL processes. We already had incident management and change, but they were fairly immature. And so I was asked to take on a program to implement all of the you know the the version two ITIL processes from incident to change to problem release configuration management. So I implemented all of those at Caliso. Um, moved away from that space for a while, became a project uh, manager in the PMO there, and then I've had other career opportunities with GE Software, being an operations manager. But when I moved to San Francisco, I had to look for a new job because I wasn't going to be working in Sacramento anymore. Yeah. and Zendesk floated to the top of my list, and That's they great. had an opening for incident manager, and I thought, well, I have experience in that space, so
0: I jumped in and interviewed, and here I am today. Here we are. That's great. Um, now you mentioned ITIL, and for folks that hear this, may not know what that is. Can you do a brief introduction to, to ITIL? And I think there's a lot of versions, and so yeah, there's a lot of versions, and and you know, you can hear it as, as IT service management.
1: You can hear yep. they. IT infrastructure library and there's multiple versions of it there i think they're they're currently on version 4 and they've broadened mm. it far outside of just taking care of services and infrastructure and things like that it's yeah. it the gets physical book is a, is a weapon <laughs> yes um but i still go back to the to the the core services in in version 2 around how do we how do we capture the information in our environment so that we can relate it to different things and those different things could be other services, other infrastructure, it could be incidents, it could be problems, it could be mm-hmm. what's the change that we're doing on that. Um, and and then how are we releasing it into the environment? Yeah. And then how, when we have those configuration changes to, to our services and infrastructure, how are we capturing those to making sure that we're keeping them up to date because we're going to change them again? So I think in, in a nutshell, it's that's what I focus on. I'm not um, tremendously focused in the areas of the different aspects of like version three or version four service management, which could be anything from how we define the services to how we implement them, to how we do the project management around them. How do we plan and pay for them? It's a whole ecosystem now that's outside of kind of those just core processes.
0: Yeah. And you have to be, not have to, but I think there's certification for it as well. And you were implementing it at a a very large company. Were you certified in ITIL at that point? Yeah, I got certified in my team. So the team that I had at Cal ISO, I actually
1: had a change manager, a configuration manager, and a release manager. Incident at that time was in another group, but I helped them harden their process. Um, And so we all got certified at the same time. Oh, cool! Uh, I think the the interesting thing, though, is like for me specifically, I tend to be um, very much operational focused, even in my personal life. Unfortunately, sometimes, but um, it just made sense to me coming from being an engineer, a system engineer. This all made complete sense to me about how you can utilize these things to track and identify
0: issues in your environment, and how do you fix them? How do you yeah. keep them from happening if you can? And what kind of keeps you interested in incident management? I mean, you're, you're incident commander, you're leading the team at, at a giant company at Zendesk now. So what keeps you interested in it? Well, what keeps me interested is my team.
1: Number Mm -hmm. one, I, I thoroughly enjoy building a good high functioning team. They're my success as the senior manager of incident management. And I have a, I I have to say, I have a very good team. I'm not just saying that they're all very sharp people that we've hired. Um, so they, they keep me moving. They bring, I've been in in the industry for 23 years now. So I have people that have been in for shorter periods of time and they're bringing great ideas into our space about where they want to take us, what we want to do. It's not just all me coming up with those things. Um, when it comes to just like incident management, well, my customers number one. If I can always work to reduce the time of, of their pain, then, then that's going to be my number one focus. When it comes to my engineering org, my focus is changing a little bit where I want to focus more in the problem space. I want to uncover things that we're not seeing on an incident by incident basis and look at them across the board using data and data analysis. Mm-hmm. What are we not seeing? And then if we find something, how can we go fix it so that that is not a perpetual problem? Like mm-hmm. it's not creating reoccurring incidents. Uh, I think that that's even the more fun space because we can do incident management pretty much all day long, right? It's, it's somewhat rinse and repeat from the activity of doing a response. Uh, I want my team to, to start branching out more and looking at what's the overall effect of these incidents on us and how can we help our engineering teams I de- identify areas to work and and as opposed to just building features they're also understanding that they need to spend some time on reliability and my team is giving them good focus to be able to hone in on what to do that's what I like I very
0: much enjoy doing so that that brings up a question for me then i mean it sounds that rings to me like service ownership and it sounds like your team is kind of helping move that needle for the people that have been building this offer for a long time and, and maybe I'm you know, projecting, is is that what you're doing right now? So reliability
1: is, is definitely a, a high, obviously a high priority in just about every organization hopefully, right? Sure. So yeah. I'm not helping them focus on reliability, I'm helping them focus on the problems that create reliability issues. Mm. So um, luckily I've just, we've just hired on my resilience team, overall resilience team, some data analysts that are helping me a great deal um, I drove a lot of the incident data and presentation over the past couple of years. And now I'm being able to get into more detail. So how am I, how am I providing data back to the organization that says that we should focus in these areas? What services are they're Like their median time between failures. Why is that decreasing? Well, if it's decreasing, we have a problem because it's happening more often. Mm -hmm. So can I help those? Organizations, So maybe like at the VP level and the director level to see their, their area um, encapsulated in data and give them areas to focus on based on what's been happening in the incident space. Yeah. So that's where I'm really driving to.
0: That's great. And I mean, can, we, can you talk about like your philosophy with incidents? I imagine at this point you've seen thousands of them. So, you know, are they inevitable? Are they, you know, do you care about, MTTR. I, I think you and I have had conversations around that. So I'd kind of love to hear your philosophy around incidents. Um, so I would, <laughs> I would
1: love to be able to get rid of them. Yeah, but I just don't, I, I don't think when, when we're working in, in an industry where it's based on logic, it's based on human interaction and, and development of things, we're going to have incidents. There's incidents in the manufacturing space, and we're work, they're working with actually something that's physical. So my philosophy is, is that I want to reduce customer pain as much as possible, because they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- at Zendesk, when I first started, we we didn't really have severity levels. We had what was called a red alert. And the red alert was, it would go off, there was an issue in the software, and 30 people would get on a call. And it's just like, it was, it was in mass. And in, at that time, you know, we're still, we're somewhat of a, a startup. We were maturing, but what I did implement with my team is lower severity levels. So if I'm going to have a number of incidents, I want them to be as least impactful on our customer as possible. So we have step three and step four, step three is much more around. Um, it's a small interruption in service or degradation in service for a couple customers. Yep. A step four tends to be something that we've seen more proactive. We know it could be cu- customer affecting, but we're going to get on it now. And so that it oh, doesn't like become that. customer affecting. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in, if I look at the volume of all my severities, those have grown tremendously over the last three years. So if I'm always going to have incidents and I hate saying that, but when I am always going to have incidents, I want them to be as least impactful as possible and as short as possible.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that there's something to be said about frequency of incidents. it's it's are you having more incidents or are you just reporting on them now right? And I think yeah. that one thing that we're seeing over here uh, at, at, at fire hydrant is that people are treating more issues as incidents. And by an, an issue might be a customer escalation, for example um, you know we we have over a hundred incidents this this year uh that that we've tracked but one customer facing major issue for a few minutes so i think uh, maybe what's happening and i'm curious what you think here is is it better to have more sev 3s and sev 4s or one sev 1 every once in a while uh, that's yeah <laughs> i mean it's
1: a, it's a balancing act um what i would say is is that when i get in the when i get in the data analysis space i'm spending more time looking at sev 3s and 4s because there's more gold there because we have much less sev 1s and sev 2s mm-hmm. right comparatively yep. um, so you know it's interesting i i i've introduced this problem management much more kind of like proactive problem management recently and i had a manager bring exactly that up was should we'd be focusing this on sev threes and fours, or shouldn't we just focus this on, on the more severe things? And like, well, it doesn't really matter where you focus it. It's where you're getting the information to increase your reliability. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would much, the, my short answer is I'd much rather have more sev threes and fours. Yeah. Because well, the, what, a sev one is right. It, it's if, if I'm impacting half of my customers on a sev one, but I'm only impacting you know, three customers, unfortunately, maybe repeated repetitively over time. I'd much rather fic, you know, focus on that larger thing and get it resolved as quickly as possible. Because I think we're all we're all customers. I mean, we you know, we have yep. different vendors that we go through. We're all customers too. I have an understanding of something that's, you know, kind of like the slow drip of of something that's happening. It doesn't affect me com- you know, tremendously, but it does affect me as opposed to my infrastructure is down in one region.
0: Well, it's going to get my focus. Right? Yeah. And one thing I've been thinking about lately is, um, you know, I I live on a street where fire trucks go down pretty consistently here in in New York City. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, we call them firefighters, but really, that role is not just fighting fires. And if we were to probably think of a fire for a fire department, seven SEV-1 is, is is a fire, you know, building caught is on fire, but they're still getting dispatched for someone in the river, in the East River, and is having a hard time, you know, getting out, right? Like, right. that's been one that I, I also live pretty close to the East River over here, and I, I see that one actually more times than I know of any fire in New York City. And what I think is interesting about that is that the fire department, they're getting dispatched, and they're almost just getting practice every time in that response, right? They may not going to be fighting a fire, but they certainly are responding very, very quickly. Um, getting, you know, getting in, getting in the truck and getting out the door really quickly. And I can't imagine that they would be as fast at that if they were only doing fires, like once a month or whatever the rate right. is. I, I can't imagine, right? So... That's why another reason why I think what you're saying, doing sev three, SEV4s more consistently means that your team honestly just gets to practice more too and comes muscle memory.
1: Yeah, the way the way that we do them though is is we drive those so we are definitely involved to a certain level, not as much as we are when we have to rally the troops for a sev one or sev two. But those incidents go directly to the the engineering teams where that service is having an issue. And we do it all through Slack, unless it becomes necessary to talk about it and we'll bring up a zoom, but mm-hmm. we are, we do check in and when it's created, the interesting thing at Zendesk that i found, so we have SLAs around step three and step four, but people jump in right away. So yeah. it's interesting that you bring up the fact that, yeah, someone needs help out of the East river. Yeah. So I, my previous comment doesn't mean to minimize those customers that are affected by a sev three is because we do respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different overall effect, but you're right. We are getting practice in that space, um, and we are addressing those as quickly as possible for our customers.
0: Yeah. And I think the response time, getting to the scene, the scene being sure site outage, um, is where you do have a little bit of control on, um, you know, how much time, what you were saying, reducing the amount of time that your your customers are experiencing pain, you getting the right people to the, to the scene of the incident as fast as possible. I mean, like you actually have a little bit of control over that. Yes. And you, you described this to me one time when we were chatting as time jumps. So I'd love to hear you talk about that and, you know, the, the things that you, you can control in there sure uh so we we break our incidents down
1: into different slices um so the overall incident is from customer pain to when we've resolved it for the customer okay Mm -hmm. i'm not going to talk regardless of severity this is the duration of it um we have the first time slice within that is time to detect so that's when we you know first customer pain to when we see it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how we see it it could be an alert it could be we got tickets coming in from customers right? It's the, when we've noticed yep. it. So we've identified that there's an issue. And then we have the next slice of time, which is uh, triage time. So are we taking any time before we're calling the appropriate incident to try and look at it and fix it, maybe understand it? So how can we how can we reduce that amount of time? And then there's the overall response. Uh, so when an incident is called to when we resolve it, that's when... In a SEV1 or SEV2, our response is that certain people get paged. We look at the issue. We start paging out to engineering teams that need to be involved within that. Within mm-hmm. that. Now, that brings up something that we're, we're going to start focusing more and more on, and it's the assembly time. And that's the time from when you've called the incident to when you have the last person that you needed to solve the problem. Yeah. So how that's... I have a, I have a metric that I I've been measured against this year, and I was measuring the time of the response, and I wanted to quarter over quarter I wanted to reduce that by ten percent, and I found that I'm pretty flat for the year, Bec- and one of the reasons is I don't have control over what type of issue it is. Yeah, I don't. It could be huge. It could take two hours. It could yeah. take five minutes. Right? I don't have I don't have control of it, but I have control over trying to get the right people at the right time. So. My goal, my metric for next year is going to be assembly time. And how do we reduce that? Um, when I talk detection, uh, detection isn't my, my team's responsibility. We have a knock that, that works on the alerting and all that. I'm definitely involved. Don't get me wrong. But we have an initiative for early problem detection. And we really look at um, how these issues are coming in and we can trend them over time and see that is our alerting getting better? In this, in our sev one space, that's really around outage. Outages are pretty easy to identify, so a lot of our alerting works pretty well. sev mm-hmm. two is much more around a degradation of service, like oh, it's difficult to identify. Look, we're finding that's coming through our 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 customer premier support, our advocacy teams, engineers see it kind of thing. Um, so we are definitely working on that time slice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the triage piece is kind of an interesting one that that. Uh, our NOC team has gotten much better at over the last couple of years where they're yes. just identifying that, no, we need to call an incident. The, an area for improvement is, is, is our advocacy team. They're getting tickets that are coming in constantly, and they could be for varying things. Um, but then they could end up being for the same issue, right? And they could trickle in or they could come in quickly. When they come in quickly, they know, boom, I'm calling us whatever severity incident. It's when they, you know, they're not coming in, they're trickling in. We don't necessarily know there's an issue until it gets to whatever metric we want to look at 10 customers over the last day, whatever the case is. Well, that, that ruins your detection time, yep. right? Because the customer did have an issue. So focusing on education around when is it a benefit to call the incident mm-hmm. is going to help when that triage time. Um, And then, so I talked about assembly, that's where I'm really going to focus. And then that's going to reduce the overall, and I'm not looking at mean time to restore anymore. I'm looking at median time. We have outliers in our duration. I want to get, try and get to the core of, okay, how are we actually performing? So I've changed from mean to median across the board.
0: Got it. I like, I I, I love that. I mean, it's, it's such a practical way. And I think that MTTR mean time to resolution is, is not a, a metric that can help you that much I mean it's 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 important in the sense I think that you're measuring something but it's not a measure like you were kind of saying like it's it's flat for you right now you don't have control over what kind of incidents you have I mean you might have a major cloud outage that is kind of you know that's out of your control you're kind of at the whims of your cloud provider at that point so um yeah, I think I love the idea of like assembly time because yes, you, you control that. You control, you know, detection time. Um, so that's that's really smart. One thing I would you just brought it up with our with our vendors is is um, so we have
1: two large vendors that we we work with, and we meet with them quarterly to go over our incidents and talk about how was their mm. response. Nice. Um, we we have you know a technical account manager with one of them who's very proactive and will. And has given us reason to to think that there's an issue, and we haven't reacted fast enough. And so, how do we improve that relationship? How do we improve that that they are being proactive and giving us signals to know what's going on and then react yeah. to it? So,
0: what who what team is responding you know responding to an incident? Is it still your team if there's a major cloud outage, or is it how does okay. that work? Um, so
1: the first three teams that are that are paged are my team. Um, the advocacy team and the knock—we're all—we're okay. we, the ones that get paged, um, and typically we will be the ones that will um, look at the issue and, and identify what teams to 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 page out to. The cool thing about at Zendesk, and I hope it it happens in other places, is and this may be a benefit of Slack is that we we announce an incident in a in a general channel, so that people know that there is one, and then they get the link to it. typically we have the right people that are jumping in right away because they already know that, Oh, this is an issue. They understand what it is. Um, so it's a little bit of that kind of like, I don't know if cloud sourcing is the right phrase for it, but people are being very aware of what it is. And it doesn't really get in the way of like, we're getting too many people coming into the incident. It's typically we'll get DBAs in there and, and a few other teams that jump in also. So, um, And then if it's, if it's something that's, you know, a major outage, we have what's called a sub zero and that's a different animal, not with respect to response, but with respect to, um, how we communicate. We, Mm. we pull in other teams like our, our comms team, our engineering leadership, our legal team, making sure that we communicate appropriately to the customers about what's going on.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that that's great to hear. I mean, I, I love that we, we, um, we've seen a couple of different severity types to represent that but i think my favorite severity type uh, it was like sev 1 2 and 3 but their sev 0 was a uh, catastrophe <laughs> is what it was labeled internally and it 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 tells the legal team it tells the marketing organization which includes you know pr and social and and it, it cuz like you said i mean it's th- at that point it almost is more of a communication problem you're probably not changing the engineering response on a sev 0 catastrophe it's that correct hey there is public image at risk here that we need to bring other folks in and they have a response procedure too. Yes. Yeah, we have a crisis management
1: team that, oh, you that I can I can move into that space where my team or myself could make that call like no we it's it's time to bring in that team and then mm-hmm. that's the the organizations we just talked about they're the ones that are basically brought in. And then the, the if we get into that just a little bit is, is that the cool thing is, is that we keep them separate from the from the engineering response. Now we have connections mm-hmm. to get the re- appropriate information across, but we don't want to muddy the waters. We want to get that the the response completed as quickly as possible because the communication could go on. So we're, we're still yep. working in that space, but we hand over a lot of that lo- logistical stuff
0: with the customer to our crisis team. Totally, yeah, because I think the resolution is different right? The resolution for, yep. for the engineering team is that, like you said, the customer pain is over. But their resolution is, could be three days later with a, a press release that goes out, right? Yep. And, you know, there's and then at that point, they have a resolved incident. So, uh, yeah, it's but that that is an extremely complex incident.
1: It is, and I and
0: I've moved into that space
1: um, because I've, I've taken on security incident management at Zendesk mm. almost a year now. Fortunately, I have a very good um, team lead incident manager that that knows the ins and outs of that. But it's not always a crisis when it's a security incident, but a lot of times you do have to have some of those same um, people involved that you don't always have involved in a production um, incident, right? Because that's yeah. just
0: restoring service, so. So what are the main differences then between your your typical incident response play and a security incident response way. well there's no there's no real difference in response i mean we're 24 7 um
1: we have a we have a csoc that that does a lot of the triage piece and then typically what we're doing that process is the, is they're calling the incident as opposed to anybody at zendesk can call an incident they still can but we we'd like to have our csoc triaging those and, things first and what what, what is a, a, a csoc i'm gonna Oh boy you're going to make me. So it's base. it's basically like our knock but for security. They they're doing they're, they're they're monitoring, they're looking for, you know, vulnerabilities and
0: and all those fun things. Gotcha. I heard seesaw at first, so I was, I was very seesaw. Very Gotcha. Okay, great. Thanks for
1: clarifying. It should be ZSOC though because I mean if we're going to go with Zknock, that's our that's our knock. We
0: put a z in front of everything right so oh yeah well send us, <laughs> yeah send us <laughs> um, um so, it's this, so it's the same type of response process sorry to get you off your off yeah, your train no, um the difference is is out is the overall
1: response security incidents can last a long time um yeah there's it's a whole different animal it's not like you brought up firefighters um you know in the production space it's much more of a firefight in security incidents, it's much more of an arson investigation, probably, right? We're, we're diving mm-hmm. into those things. And then we need to figure out what to fix.
0: So, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely stealing that, by the way, uh, an arson can, investigation for security. That's great.
1: You, <laughs> I, I had a, I had a, uh, I have a couple from this, this instructor, but that was one of them. He, he brought up the whole thing because we were talking about root cause analysis. He's like, no, you want to be the arson investigator. Stop being the firefighter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's awesome. Well, what are some of the, w- one of the things I'm kind of curious, I mean, it, you kind of touched on it, but I'd love to understand kind of the, the hierarchy here. I mean, you're a large organization. You have an incident management team. You have a crisis management team. I mean, what is the the topology here? Who who do you report to? And I'd love to understand that. Yeah. Um. So I'm in the engineering
1: org. Um, I report to Erin McCown, who is my director of resilience. So she has crisis management, incident management, uh, business continuity. And then we have a we have a tools team that oversees a lot of the tooling that I use and our status page. Um, And then we have some data analysis, which I, I already touched on. Um, she is in the org that is reliability and resilience. So we have our SRE org that is, um, a peer to our, our organization and that's all of our SRE and our knock. Mm-hmm. So they're there. And then you just, from there you go up in the engineering organization. Uh, so that's a lot of we, layers.
0: I, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that there's, the, I mean, that's two layers away from the, you know, the head of engineering, I suppose. Right. Well, yeah, but they're easily accessible. Mm hmm. I mean, the data that I provide, I mean,
1: we're, it, we're pretty close organization. I'm, I don't feel a lot of layering when it comes to Zendesk. I mean, as we grow, sure, that's probably going to happen, but I don't feel that I feel Zendesk. I mean, one of the joys of working there for me was it's transparent. People jump in Mm -hmm. and help leaders want to know what's going on. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't feel that the organizational structure is a hindrance to me
0: whatsoever yeah no and i i wasn't suggesting I'm, I'm actually yes yeah. it's, it's fascinating here because i think a lot of organizations incident management is pro- probably not even a function honestly it's it's a hat that someone puts on uh during an incident because you know at a certain scale it just doesn't make sense to have that that team um but to hear that there there's there's you folks and then there's a director of resilience I think is is mm-hmm. was yes. the title and then you and then the, uh, another layer above that which was the reliability organization and that sounds yes. like where the Sres are no no so it's not above so
1: so re- resilience and reliability so I we have a director over each and then there's a VP over both of those so oh, so I see. the
0: SRE team is a peer team of ours if you got if, it in I the same organization you. yeah got it so they're kind of next to each other <laughs> got it yes. that's that's really fascinating to me Um do you have a, like a, well, so it sounds like there is a specific leader. That's, that's you. Um, what is the measure of success for, for you folks? I mean, you, measure, you we talked about that one uh, measure y- that you had said around mm-hmm. uh, time to assembly, but what are some of the other KPIs that you as a leader are measuring to say that, you know, this team is, is we're doing, we're doing a great job. Um, well, we're, we're utilizing
1: those um i mean we we capture things along the lines of root causes right so we mm-hmm. in our post incident process we have retrospectives we we do root cause analysis for those higher severities it's very organized for the lower ones we do it too but it's it's not as an organized activity Northstar, star not from necessarily for my team but for the orga- zendesk overall is is our is our availability so we have availability mm-hmm. across each of our products and how we measure that availability and we're really working hard to get better and better at it um, I won't go into too much detail about how each of them. We have multiple products, and so each of those can be calculated. Their availability calculated differently based on the functionality that they, or how they're architected. Mm-hmm. So um, we try and base that as much as possible on the number of customers affected. But in some cases, we have those customers that are, um, they're in different parts of our architecture, so it's not the most specific calculation of availability, but it does represent our, our overall effect of what's, what's happening um, to our products. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's one that we measure internally as a, as a goal for the overall organization. Got it. Um, And if I go back to, you asked about my team, I'm still going to stick to those, those time slices because it brings so much more to the equation. What areas... I mean, we do project work too. I mean, we're not just responding. I have 13 people across the globe Mm -hmm. and and we're working on process improvement and bringing in new advantages like problem management and bringing those things into play so that we can affect those numbers as a team.
0: One of the things that I am curious about... Yeah, I mean, you had had mentioned root cause analysis and i think there's there's this constant kind of like little debate i see on twitter of like don't say root cause there's only multiple contributing factors and you know i think that like if you're learning from the incident you know whatever kind of that's my perspective i'm curious what you think i agree i agree in the highest percentage of root causes is there one
1: probably i mean you know if you're going to try and focus on an area um we try and identify what was the core service that that initiated the incident. Now it doesn't mean that there weren't contributing factors. So we don't only, we don't just track root cause. We track secondary causes and influencing mm-hmm. factors. So secondary causes could be something that's ancillary that affected the the overall um, reason the incident was caused. An influencing factor could be maybe we, we don't have alerting on it. Oh, mm. so we're in our retro. We don't have alerting. Oh, great. Let's create a remediation on because you're going to go, you're going to go build yeah. some alerting for this so that next time we get it, right? right? So we we are looking at different layers of root cause, but we still try and go back to what was the the origin of the incident with respect to the service? And then there yeah. could be, you know, whatever the root cause, an escape defect, a configuration error, whatever the case is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of, it's a hard mental model, I think, for for folks. So I think that like, The words root cause, again, I mean, mean, I'm I'm in the camp of kind of contributing factors, but the way I think that root cause does have one benefit, if you think about, I, I, I use the example of like Jenga, right? Like Jenga, when you pull, you know, we've been playing the game and there's 10 pieces out of the tower and someone pulls a piece and the tower falls. That's, you know, that was the root cause, but really that tower wouldn't have fallen if the other ten pieces were still there, right? right? Those ten pieces need to still be gone. So I, I, that's kind of how I say is it. like, and so I've I've even been cheeky in the past, and I've said that like the 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 root contributing factor or the largest contributing factor, because it is a hard mental model to say that there wasn't just one thing. Because if you deploy a bad piece of code and the site goes down, like it's hard to kind of not say like that was the thing that broke the site right <laughs> right
1: <laughs> yeah i you know the the other part that comes down to it that is i think a really difficult thing is really around understanding dependencies and then, then that goes back to your your configuration management and understanding do you have a good configuration management database to be able to relate things to right. so that you understand dependencies so that mm-hmm. so that you understand that if it was that piece of code, but it affected ten other services, and it, you know those services had an issue, well, then is there resilience there? What are you doing? And but being, it's a difficult problem to solve because we're changing things all the time. But having that map the best that you can um, at certain levels, you don't want to get too detailed because then you get diminishing returns. But if you're looking at your environment at a certain level, it gives you a sense of dependency that that. You can harden certain areas if other areas are more prone to to
0: incidents. Right. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'm not to, I'm not suggesting that it's not valuable when you have a bad deploy. I think that if you were going to go into a retro at that point and say, "What was you know?" Let's talk about this. And maybe one organization says, "Well, the root cause was this bad deploy," uh, and another organization that's using contributing factors would say. A bad deploy went out, and another contributing factor is we have bad test coverage in this area, and another contributing factor is that we don't have canary deploys for this product area, so that just was able to go out to production. And It's just different ways of thinking about the same yes. problem, I, I
1: think. Yeah, so when we, I mean, if, if I go in and look at any of my incident reports and I look at the remediations after the retro, I'm seeing multiple remediations, right? Yeah. And we, we kind of break them up into, was it, was it more the preventative? one that th- if you go fix this, it's not going to happen again, hypothetically, or there are more general things that kind of go ancillarily to what were some of the other contributing things that we're going to do Yeah, th- that we need to go do and fix. So it, it
0: does come out in that space in the remediation. Yeah, that's no, great. Well, I mean, we only have a couple minutes here. Is there any like final thoughts you have for folks that are kind of uh that want to implement incident management they're at they're at square zero right now in their organization and and they're saying no we got we got to solve this incident management problem what's what's maybe a bit of advice for them um
1: i'm just going to go on what i what i've experienced as successful because i because i know that there are various ways to do it um you need to build a team you need to build a team to be able to do this. Um, if you're, if you try I have not seen success distributing it throughout the, the organization. Now, in some cases, if you're a pretty new startup, you might need to do that because you don't have the, the wherewithal to be able to go create a specific team. Mm-hmm. But if you don't create a specific team, make sure that those roles are really understood that no, when an incident happens, even though you're not a team, you're a team when it comes to that incident and response and, and make that very clear, and a hard, fast rule. Um, because if you enter an incident and it's somewhat wishy-washy, you're not going to get what you're looking for over time. So that that's one thing. The other one is, I'm going to go back to what I just said. Can you map your environment in, in such a way that you understand what is affected by the incident and what's um, what's the root, root contributing factor? I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that that's a, building a strong foundation When I was at Cal ISO, I think one of the great things was, is we did not go buy a a service management tool right away. Hmm. We were doing incidents. We had a tool out there and it was an old legacy tool, fine, but we really hardened our process. And then once we had it to a certain level, we went out looking for a new tool that would help support that process and do it pretty much industry standard out of the box. So don't go buy a tool thinking it's going to solve your problem because it's not going to solve your problem. There's too much work that needs to go into establishing the right people and practices to be able to do incident management and do it well. Um, So build that within your organization, however you choose to do it, make give dedication to it, if it's its own team or not.
0: Right. And I I think that's the exact purpose of uh, BetterIncidents.com. is, you know, here's here you go, this is this is a great document on how to start implementing this program and this process at, at your organization and once you have you 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 know the muscles then then add the add the tool in, in a lot of ways right and um i i can go both both directions i think i i but, think the other thing
1: that, that i didn't bring up though was robert was we didn't talk about change we didn't talk yeah. about change at all in the overall scheme of things and that kind of goes back to knowing what your environment looks like, know what you're changing, and have a connection back to the incident from the change. Have some, because then you're going to show history. I can do incident management all day long, every day. I can I can do it. But if I don't understand what's happening in my change environment, I probably can't have a good effect on making a difference by giving the data back from the incidents that are that- happening. Right. Yep. And, and today I don't have the best connection. And that's, that's one of my next steps is, is no, I need to really, I want to understand what's going on, which is, you know, when I was at Calaiso, it was much more waterfall model. It wasn't, you know, a, a process around agile and deploying. Um, so in this environment where I am at Zendesk is we have, a, we're actually pretty successful in our change. If you look at the grants at the overall numbers, but I think that that's just to get back to it. I think that that's the other area of focus is is can you understand what's happening from a change perspective and how is it affecting your incidents?
0: Yes, and and you know incidents inform what you should change to have less of them overall. I think too, right? You have to have the mechanism that feeds it back into the organization um, and also treat treat those items and give them the time necessary one thing i see in organizations is that they'll create the follow-up remediation items the action items after the incident during the retrospective but they never get prioritized because there's not enough slack in the actual product engineering teams to to do those items so you almost have to have like the product people the project managers understand that i have to have 20 percent of my time dedicated to fixing you know, incident-related t- tasks. And we, we've exposed that a great deal in Zendesk in various ways. Um,
1: the teams have ops reviews every month. Remedi- mm. Remediations are on there, right? So we, we've made it transparent that that work is out there so that our product managers and our engineering managers can have a discussion around, okay, well, this, this next sprint we're going to do, we're going to increase our reliability because our air budget's going lower. Or yep. no, things are great. We're going to do more feature work, which I would love to have every team do because that's yep. the fun part, right? So,
0: well, it's a, it's a different level of joy for the customer. We we build features for customers to you know get value out of our product, but if the product is unreliable, then they're not getting that same value, right? So, yeah. it's really just you're delivering value to the customer either through new products and features. Or by making the system more reliable. I mean, that's another way to maybe think about it too. Yeah, because you're not getting to the if features. you're fighting for time.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not getting to those um, cool features if it, if it's not reliable.
0: Correct. Yep. That you already spent yeah. years developing. So, or um, no, the customers can't get to them because it's not reliable. They're not using them. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I think um, I think a lot of organizations could could definitely like start shifting sometime in back into the schedule to allow for, you know, remediation. I, mean, so I think it's really important. Well, hey, I think that this was, you know, really insightful. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of lessons uh, you've learned in, in over the over decade, you've been doing this, right. So thanks so much for coming on and telling us about yourself as and all the cool things that you're doing over there for helping folks at your company manage instance, just so much better. Thanks, Robert. I really, I, I enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, with that, I'll see you around. See you next time. The Better Incidents podcast is lovingly nurtured by the team at Fire Hydrant and made possible with generous contributions from the Better Incidents collective. Learn more at betterincidents.com.